You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 108, covering Unification, Parts 1 and 2, with Rob Humphreys. Hi friends, we're back and it is Spock time. It is about time. God, it's been a long wait. Yeah, well... Yes and no. I mean, I feel like they kind of blew their wad on the the original series stuff with uh, <laughs> the n- naked now. Yeah. And I feel like they had to wait a while. But uh, oh, by the way, Beef's here. Oh, hey, Sorry, Beef. Beef. Terribly rude of Indeed me. Indeed, I am. Um, but no, I, I feel like they needed to distance themselves for a while. And season five is a good time to say, "Hey, here's Spock." Mm-hmm. So, and and you had mentioned it would have been great if they hadn't told you. Yeah, no, that would have been awesome. But I remember the, uh, I remember the promo at, at the time, and the promo was these letters flying up to the screen: S P O C K exclamation point. Like, okay, that's surprising no one. I Do you like a if... good surprise? Tough. Yeah, yeah. Too I bad. I loved it if Star Trek announcer guy had like yelled them as they came out: S P O S S S S P P P P O O O O. The next episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mr. Ambassador Spock, Spock is a murder. <laughs> That's all. That's it. I'm Just out. Just a murder. All right, Matt, why don't you tell us about Unification Part 1? All right. Or so, Unification Picard I. Picard contacted by some sort of admiral telling him that a rather well-known Starfleet ambassador has gone missing on Romulus. Maybe you've heard of him. It's fucking Spock! With the possibility that Spock may have defected to the Romulans, Picard takes the Enterprise to Vulcan to meet with Sarek in a scene that I refuse to mock because it's absolutely tragic. Sarek tells Picard of a Romulan senator named Pardock, known for his attempts to bring peace to Romulus, and Picard and Data hitch a ride on a borrowed Klingon bird of prey, not the bounty, alas, while Riker and the crew travel to a Starfleet junkyard hoping to find information on a destroyed Ferengi vessel with Vulcan parts that have been discovered there. There they discover they encounter a melty-faced alien who runs the junkyard, and using Counselor Troy's great skills, they get him to help them. What's that? Oh, she finally used her psychic powers and her knowledge of psychology to help them out? No, don't be stupid. She just jiggled her tits at him. Anyway, Melty Man takes them to the deconvolution Vulcan ship that has the parts, they, but they find it gone. Melty Man then takes them to another ship in the yard that's received one of the parts from the Vulcan ship, but it's gone too. Suddenly, a heavily armed warship arrives to pick up the supplies that Melty Man had been unwittingly beaming to the ship that, one, that he thought was there. A uh, ship opens fires on the Enterprise, and Worf accidentally blows it up. Nice. We give you one job, Worf, you know, and just... Anyway. Meanwhile, Picard and Data arrive on Romulus disguised as Romulans. They are captured almost instantly, barely having time to enjoy the traditional Romulan soup bar. Romulan guards take them into a smelly basement where they encounter Pardock. Oh, and Spock's there, too! Brain and all. Brain and brain? What is brain? <clears throat> okay, two two quick points about that. Yes. Uh, one, <laughs> they are all about soup on Oh, my Romulus. God. I had no idea, like, I've been a Trek fan for a long time. I had no idea Romulans were so into potato soup. They are noted soup soup. enthusiasts. Yes. Who doesn't love a good soup? No no one, apparently. Yeah. Right. Not tomato Um, soup, because they don't have the facilities to make the grilled cheese. Right. And you you can't... Tomato soup's not good. It is with grilled cheese. (laughs) What's wrong with you, man? You don't like raisins either. You you must have been a terrible kid. Uh, and the other the other quick point I wanted to make is uh, you you focus way more on Melty Man than you do on like all he, the other major he, characters. He was kind of, he was kind of my favorite character in this episode. Well, let's let's just roll into your good thing then. All right. Everyone is so completely on in this episode. You know, Picard's badass as usual. Riker's awesome. Troy is very very pretty in this episode. <laughs> yes, uh, she is. Picking a particular good thing is tough, but man, I really kind of liked Melty Man. For a tiny little asshole with a scrap of power, he goes from useless to extremely helpful very quickly. And when everything starts going wrong, he kind of goes completely all business. Just, just I, I love his. They when when the ships are missing, he just sits down and is like, "Okay, I'm going to find these for you because I am better than this." I like he, that. He, rem, he reminds me of a lot of bureaucrats I've I've known and worked with over the years. He's very believable. He sort of grounds things. In reality, because he's a, he's a very you know very believable character. Yeah, I also like uh, they they basically take out bring Troy out to uh, to entice <sighs> him to do their bidding, 
And yeah. he, he sees through it immediately. He's like, oh, so you're the you're the attractive woman they decided to trot out to get me to do their business, to do this mm-hmm. for them, huh? Uh, it's working. Let's get to work. Yeah, they, has a, they probably think that this is going to work. They're probably right. <laughs> like, that might have been one of what I would have picked as as a quote. Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> and as Beef pointed out, if, if they had him in the new movie, he'd probably be played by John Malkovich. Yeah, he had a very John Malkovich look about him. Yeah, and Malkovich. delivery. His delivery was that, I'm almost falling asleep. I'm so disinterested. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I, I think the correct term is Malkovichy. Yeah, <laughs> until shit goes wrong and then he freaks out. Right. I mean, kind of raises his voice out. a little. Oh, that seems about right. Yeah. Um. So your bad thing, Matt? I spent the entire episode waiting for Spock to show up so I could use his dialogue as a quote. And then he showed up and said, hello. Damn it, Spock. We haven't seen you in forever. Get a better entrance line. No, I, ser- I think that the point of that was they only had Nimoy for one episode and they wanted to get all the terrible getting there out mm-hmm. of the way. Now, uh, my actual bad thing, though, there, this is a really small thing in a scene that I loved but Sarek goes from rambling and sick and just completely out of it to completely coherent way too quickly for, for me. Mm. Like, I mean, it works. It, you, you need it to work that way for the episode, but it's a little distracting. Of course, then he forgets what he and Picard are doing and, and talking about, and I remember my grandpa, and I get completely depressed, and let's move on. Yeah. That is seriously one of the just most soul-crushing things in Star Trek. And Star Trek occasionally has made us particularly emotional. Yeah. Yeah, but the bit at the end there, where he's trying to do the you know the yeah, fingers parted Vulcan to make salute, the, uh, the Vulcan hand sign, and Picard yeah, and he can't get his fingers right, and Picard just very oh god. Yeah, we all we all <laughs> made comments in our notes that we were either it was either dusty or we could just couldn't make any yeah. jokes at that point. No, Picard very gently helps him. Yeah, like he knows this guy needs to keep his dignity, and he mm-hmm. doesn't want to make a show of it. And it's just, it, he doesn't it, even remember Live Long and Prosper. He's like, Live Long and, uh, and Picard just sort of finishes it for him. Yeah, it's just utterly brutal. Yep. Well, it's really well written. It's really well performed by uh, Mark Leonard. And it's also like Picard, like Patrick Stewart plays it perfectly mm-hmm. too. Because the person he reacts off of is almost just as important in that scene. Yeah. And just the, the we've mentioned this before. He's He's always been this background guy. And it's great that he's now getting something dramatically to do on a show that wasn't even his show. Yeah. And they gave him a nice little storyline and, and you really see that he was a great actor. And the fact that he was willing to stand in the background and have two or three lines. And when he had all this talent, yeah, I think is a real, uh, a real testament to what a pro he was. Yeah. No, yeah, TNG just really, really became his sort of reward for, yeah, for doing that over the, like, we're going to give you this character, this mm-hmm. great character. And we're going to give you some amazing scenes with him. Right. No, definitely. Definitely fantastic. And this really, part one was really the Sarek episode. Yeah. And I remember watching this at the time and like, okay, Spock, great. Ooh, they got Sarek too? Ooh. And I know he's not as difficult to get, but yeah. it was still like, it's it, it was a double punch and they didn't tell you he was going to be in it. No, that, that, that's true. So it was like, okay, this is this is a nice treat. Mm-hmm. It would be like, you know, if, uh, if Kirk showed up, but then also Scotty showed up. Yes. It's like, okay, well, he's a lesser guy, but he's still very cool. And they didn't great. talk about Scotty showing up. And I, yeah. re- I really do think, I think the, the Sarek-Picard bond, that tie, is, is just one of the oh, most yeah. important things. Um, yeah. it's, it's a super important next-gen thing, and it's a super important tie to the old series. And um, I've said before, I, I, it, it brings it together in a way that doesn't step on any character's toes. It doesn't use somebody that was going to be used for something else. But it's an right. important tie to a very important character, for, you know, Spock, from the original series, but it does it in a way that isn't straightforward. And it even puts Picard in a, in a weird situation against Spock, you know, when he finally right. does meet him. Mm-hmm. And he meets this legendary guy and he's got, Ooh, well, first I got to tell you your dad's dead. And then I got to well, basically, I'm carrying your dad's you. sort of uh, friction with you in my head. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. And I, I like, it's really hard when you do an episode like this to not contrive a reason to bring Spock into it. And because there's this deep connection, like you said, because they have Sarek in common, it felt way more natural than, as much as I defend Generations, really, bringing Kirk and Picard together there was very contrived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is whereas, a smart whereas, way. Yeah. Whereas uh, Bones sending the Enterprise off, that made sense. Scotty doing weird engineering stuff to show up, that made sense. Yep. And this did too. And I like that. I like that they knew this was important and they didn't want to, you know, 
yeah. fumble it. And I get impatient in, in this because I want I wanted Spock to get there, and I wanted more right. of him. Spock now. <clears throat> but uh, the, what you what you're saying is, I think is right. I mean, it was mm. good to pace it this way, and you get it, it, well that way you get a full episode with him without all the getting there. Yeah. yeah, no, Spock should not be the fireworks factory. Right. <laughs> uh, so your bad thing, beef? Oh me? Oh, uh, yeah. sorry, I didn't cover. Do you want me to say my good thing too? Oh, sorry. Yes, That's good it, thing but... first, then bad sorry. thing. I, uh, yeah. I know we kind. I kind of blurred it by talking so much. Um, Picard's my good thing. We get Picard comforting a sad old man he's close to. We get Picard owning the Klingons as always. God, I yeah. really love that guy. Uh, the bad thing is tough for me. I. I that's what I was saying. I didn't want it to, to say it was slow because it wasn't slow. Tons and tons of stuff happened, but it was it was kind of subdued, and it was a lot of setup. It was a lot of important setup, but it was still setup. And and part of me, like again, part of me does want to get to the fireworks factory. But um, we know we know immediately that it's about Spock, and I I could have used two full two full on Spock episodes with extra Spock on the side. But I do understand why it, why it was done the way it was. Yeah, but you're right. On the other hand, it, but you know. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the, the title comes up, and it's like part one. You're like, ooh, we get a whole hour of Spock. No, you don't. <laughs> no. Oh. And it turns out to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. <clears throat> but you're not wrong. There are a lot of quiet sort of moments in this. It, in, yeah, a well, in a good yeah, way. Yeah, and it's not, well. they're not boring, but they are no, quiet. No, not at all. So when you think about it, like when I thought about it from a distance after watching what I'm thinking about it, it's like, I don't know, that not much happened. But it's like, you know, a lot happened. It was just it wasn't excitement it was foundational and it was character you know parts of it were really important character stuff um but it's well, easy and easy to slip into thinking that it's not exciting yeah and we've talked about this before we like it when the show just does character stuff yeah. if it's well done we don't care if there's you know mortal danger all the time mm-hmm. and i don't know that there was a lot of action i mean there was the the supply ship blowing up, but we didn't even know who was on that. <laughs> that was not great action either. No. But, I mean, there's not a lot of fighting. There's not a lot of, you know, being in mortal danger. It's all character stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is much what I prefer. You know, you don't have to have a virus attacking the Enterprise or a space monster or whatever. Those can be good episodes too. But if you're doing character stuff, just do the character stuff. Yeah. It can stand on its own, and this, this really shows that. Uh, my good thing, which I'm actually remembering the right order now, because you know I, I'm a competent host despite uh, <laughs> despite outward appearances. That's okay, it's Alex. Fine. I don't think we've ever done this before. No, no. I mean, certainly not 107 times before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't actually mind. Spock doesn't show up until the end, like I was saying. But in addition to it being set up, you get this sort of big adventure. You get this. They're they're exploring like you get stuff with the Klingons. You get to go to Vulcan. You get to go to the Romulan homeworld. You get to to see this uh, bureaucrat off in this forgotten corner. I mean, it it has the sort of epic scope of a movie. You got all the main races. You got a lot of important locations. And for a TV budget, they did the best that they could. And you know, you got a lot of different aliens. You got a lot of different locations, and it felt like a big, you know, the big story that Spock demanded. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I've always liked that about this episode is you don't really get any other episode where you're kind of exploring the whole fully formed universe of Star Trek. And I really like that. This really sort of jumps full into this is Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Part two, I don't feel does, but we'll get there in a Mm -hmm. minute. Uh, On the other hand, uh, my bad thing. I don't know. (laughs) It was really hard. This is this is fantastic. This is a great episode. Um. I guess I'm going to go with the horrible stock footage explosion in the shipyard because they're chasing this uh, guy who's, you know, weapon ship who's stealing um, stealing stuff from the from the junkyard. And they hit it once, like Matt said, and it blows up. And yeah. then they cut to, like, this stock explosion. I think iMovie now has a better explosion e- effect. Like, we've seen that stock explo- explosion in every Star Trek movie since the motion picture. Yeah. It was it was not good, and it was clearly they were cutting away to like an alternate dimension where yep. this uh, where this explosion was happening. That was not great. Um, Troy having to be the pretty girl and batter eyelashes to distract the jerk was kind of irritating. But you know what? I give up. I fucking do what you want, Deanna. I don't even care anymore. Just mm-hmm. ah. She was very pretty at being. She was very girl. pretty. I like that. So that's that's where we stand on this now. Well, forget her doing her job. At least she's pretty. Right. She's very pretty. We're just going completely superficial with her. Yeah. None of the deep character stuff. With I mean, her. yes, she's well, a Star Trek officer, but she's also a woman. So there, you know, she needs to get that objectification in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Listen, well, that's when, fine. When she wants to start being useful. We'll start treating her as useful. 
But, you know, when we get to DS9, you get Dax, who is both, mm -hmm. who is crazy hot and also very useful. Amazing. Yes, but not so much here. Uh, you know what? So what? <laughs> Fine. I give up. Like Really cute, though, and gigantic eyes. Oh, totally. Yeah. She's got, like, the deer eyes going on there. Yeah. No, yes. she's... Definitely. Okay, so so it opens with the title card. As as we go forward in real-time production-wise, uh, Gene Roddenberry has now passed away. And there's a nice sort of classy title card that's you know, just says Gene Roddenberry, 1921 to 1991 or whatever it was. And, you know, he may have had some really stupid ideas about what made TV drama, but, you know, there wouldn't be Star Trek without him. So just for once, Matt, shut up and, you know, Bow your head and pretend to be serious. Hey, listen, I didn't. I didn't say anything for this one. I know. And going forward, he won't. He won't have any more influence. <laughs> so I think we're done with that. I know there's some people who are sort of uncomfortable with that, and I think you know. The end. I think we're done now. Hmm? Of that, the end. Oh yes, exactly. And it, it is interesting and definitely noticeable that the shows take on a different tone. Yeah. With him gone. And I feel like it's a diff it's a necessary tone. I think so. Yep. But again, you know, mm. you know, it is it is too bad that the, the the franchise was just hitting its peak success wise. Yeah. Like we, they were still making movies, and this show, and they were preparing a spinoff. Like it was at its at its peak, yeah. and the, the dude dropped dead without really seeing that completely happen, and that that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so much going on in this episode, we probably shouldn't dwell on that too much. <clears throat> um, let's see. We had uh, we had the the Klingon captain it was fantastic. He was trying to um, intimidate Picard, and Picard was just having none of it. Oh my God, Picard is so great in that. Like, Beef, you mentioned that in your good thing. Do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah, he own, he stuff? owns Klingons. He he just um, the uh, the Klingons have uh, marginalized the uh, role of the Federation. And, yeah, in the, uh, in the Civil in, War, in their, in their Civil War thing, and Galran taking they didn't power. do anything. <laughs> and Picard just slides in and and uh, you know reminds him that uh, you know he is kind of beholden to him for for mm -hmm. his part in everything, and that you know he could take his uh, Federation toys elsewhere if need be. Right, and if there's some other house that requires our, yeah. uh... it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it is. In fact, Matt, that was uh, was that your quote? Uh, yes, you can let's, play that let's, now. Sorry. Yeah, let's just go ahead and drop that here. How would it benefit the Klingon Empire? I'm sure Garon will ask. The only benefit to the Klingon Empire would be our gratitude. That is what you want me to tell him? Yes. And please add that if he is unable to provide us with a ship, then I am sure there are others in the Klingon Empire who would be willing to help me. And then... They would have our gratitude. I see. Also, please tell Gauron that I am immensely gratified that he is prospering so well. A tribute to his skilled leadership. That whole scene was fantastic. But then on the Klingon ship itself, when they're when they're going to Romulus, they need a cloaked ship. And the Klingon dude, uh, who incidentally is played by Stephen Root. Yes. Who <laughs> noted chameleonic uh, character actor Stephen Root. Who's like, whoa, it's that guy. You may remember him from virtually everything. Yes. <laughs> Every comedy from the 90s, basically. Yep. Um, yeah, knowing that, I was staring at him the whole time trying to get the Stephen Root out of it, and I just couldn't. There was yeah. one scene where his voice went a little bit higher when he was talking, and you could almost hear his actual voice. Right. In, in, in it, but it was a good, really good uh, job by him. It's weird. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, he keeps trying to, my read on the character was he kept trying to intimidate Picard. He's going out of his way to make him uncomfortable. Just, yeah. you know. This is something Klingon that you don't like. Oh, I love that. Yep. And he did it over and over again. He's like, we sleep on hard beds. We don't have your mattresses. We sleep like this. You're going to sleep like, Klingon style. Good. <laughs> which, which cued a YouTube uh, Klingon style, Gangnam style uh, video. I'm sure right there for him. To Quite probably, yes. I, I still don't know what that is because I'm an old man and I'm out of touch. It's um, Korean, which is another group of people that start with a K. Oh well, there you go. So it's similar. There, there's your connection right there. Connection with a K. Um, but he, yeah, he keeps trying to intimidate him, and it's just he's having none of it. And uh, 
He's like, well, we, we don't have human food here. We have gach. And the guy's like, good. I love gach. Very He's fresh. Having none of it. Which doesn't make much sense, but fine. No. But uh, Patrick Stewart plays that really well, yes. too. He's like, I don't have time for you. Yes, fine. I'm intimidated. Now go away. <laughs> I have to be uh, creeped out by Data staring at me all night. <laughs> oh, God, that scene. <laughs> you guys want to talk about that? Sure. It's a it, great little bit when they're in the... <laughs> when they're in the bedroom together um, uh-huh. with no bed. The shelf, the room. shelf right? Shelf room. And uh, Picard obviously is a person who sleeps and Data obviously is a person who doesn't. And it's funny to see how uncomfortable Picard is just with the idea of Data standing in there. And uh, it may just be because he doesn't have his gym jams and his comfy bed, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's just it's a, a great interaction between them. And ultimately he skips sleeping entirely. Yeah. Fuck it. I can't do this. Fine. <laughs> I just, I just, I love, I love him trying to lay down and go to sleep with this dude just standing in the middle of the room. Yeah. And at first no, he's just standing is... there, then he just starts staring at Picard. Right. No, it's, it is a fantastic, and the thing is, it felt kind of like padding as far as pacing goes, but it was so good it didn't matter. Yeah. Like, come on, let's move it, let's go, but no, you know what, this is great. I like this. Because Picard is clearly out of his comfort zone, he won't show it in front of the Klingons. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't care in front of Data. He's like, oh, stop, just, just stop, come on. I love that. Um, so, yeah, the Sarek stuff was just brutal. Yep. His his horrible wife. Oh, my God. Perrin is not... I really got the, the vibe off... First of all, she spends, like, ten minutes saying how awful Spock is, which you're not going to win that argument, honey. No, but... And, and that is what, good writing as far as uh, someone who's married into a family and doesn't get how the family works at all. Like, it makes us just want to hate her. Mm-hmm. And she's do. new mommy, and she just, she's like, well, he's a jerk. Well, Sarek doesn't care, but I care. But shut up, lady. Yeah, calm down. They got enough crap to deal with right now. Yeah. And I Whereas, also got the vibe off of her that she wasn't handling his illness very well. Yeah, that, I mean, it could be that she's been dealing with it for years and she yeah. just lost her patience, or it could just be she sucks at it. Yeah, which, I mean, again, both completely legitimate characters. Yeah, these are, they're real things, real ways of yeah. reacting to stuff. And one, yeah. that one makes her a little more sympathetic than I want her to be. I want to think that she's just a bitch who doesn't like that Sarek sometimes thinks about his kid instead of her. Why aren't I, you I like... thinking about me? <laughs> Miles! <So> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and you, and you can't help but compare her if you, you know, if you've been with the show the whole time to Spock's mom, who would have totally been the intermediary there. Mm. Things between Spock and Sarek wouldn't have gone nearly this far with her around because she would have stepped in and said, okay, guys, let's, you know, everything's fine. You both love me, right? Okay. Common ground. Let's, let's go from there. Yeah. But not so much. Um, and really the whole daddy issues thing, just a couple of times throughout getting there, like Picard's sister Riker. And I think it comes up another time. They just say fathers and sons. Yeah, I know. I, and, and they, I love Riker's. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Trust me. <laughs> And they, they just exchange a glance, and it happens again, and I can't remember between who. Yeah. But it's it's just a great, yeah, we've all, we've all, we all know. Yeah. No, and, and those two I also just huge tatty issues, so. Yep. Most, most characters in, it seems like in, in genre fiction in general, yep. most male characters have daddy issues, and I think that's because most writers have daddy issues. Yep. And it just comes through. It's like how writers are always writing about writers. Yep. It's the same kind of thing. Uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Really, the meat of what we have to talk about, I think, is in part two. I just want to make sure we cover everything in yeah. in this one before we move on. Oh, I really like that, uh, and Matt, you didn't at first, but I think I may have won you over on this. I like that Sarek died off screen. Yeah, at first I thought, well, you know, this is this guy's a big deal. You know, we should really have seen him die, but then it's like... Uh, no. My thought was I don't want that cliched scene of him saying his last words to Picard and then dying. I yeah. hate that. It is so overdone. And it seems more realistic to me that you're off doing something else and someone just hands you a thing that says your friend is dead. It's, it's like, oh. oh, Jesus. I wasn't ready for that. No, I just saw him. He looked, yeah, well, terrible, so. Right. Uh, What else? Uh, Shitty stuff. We got that. Any other major points? Zach Dorn. The Melting Men. <laughs> no, I I think we covered this episode. 
I keep well, thinking well, like that I'm going to start like, talking about something that's going to be the next episode, like the, the thing I like yeah, is I had, actually in the next episode versus the first episode. I had some problems with that myself just because I've seen these a few times and they sort of blend together. I was almost going to say meld together in my head. Yeah. But, ooh, thankfully, I didn't say that because that's terrible. Yeah, it would be horrible if you said that. Right. All right, well, let's then push forward to Unification Part 2. Okay. Leaping into Beef. my summary. Yes, please. Get him, Beef. After finding Spock using elaborate disguises and borrowed Klingon ships, Spock scolds Picard for being there, the city of rebel caverns Romulus. Um, just a quick side note here. Um, if you are a space despot or the leader of an oppressive society, fill in the caves. Just go ahead, <laughs> fill in the caves. First rule of business, fill in the caves. If you don't fill in the caves, you know the lighting level is going to get to a certain point, <laughs> and just like in Minecraft, from. rebels or dissenters are going to spawn right behind you and boom. <laughs> Uh -huh. Okay, <laughs> so getting yeah, back to what I actually wrote, uh, and they immediately resume the father-son enmity that Spock and Sarah had enjoyed so well. <laughs> uh, at this point, the opening credits appear, and they are the only part of the episode that really seems to do anything of any import. Data is on the Klingon ship, and he handles the Klingons like they need to be handled. Spock and Picard talk politics, and Pardak arrives uh, to take us to the next setting. Spock seems suspicious of the whole thing the entire time. Everyone seems kind of suspicious the entire time. Riker goes to a bar to talk about music, and <laughs> smuggling deals gone wrong, and Worf shows up to sing uh, karaoke so that Lauren can tell him his future. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spock goes with Pardak to see the proconsul, and Sayla jumps out of the toilet uh, as soon as they leave. I don't think she washed her hands. Maybe she'll die of cholera. Spock goes back to the caves, and everyone is really skeptical except a handful of the Romulans. I think these are the caves beneath the Romulan mental hospital. Spock tells Picard that Picard isn't his father, and then runs crying to his room and slams the door. Back on the ship, Picard goes to take his ears off so Spock and Data can dish about him behind his back. Data and Spock go back and forth about how the other is squandering exactly what they themselves long for. They then switch brains, and the all-ages romp, Fascinating Friday begins. The end. Okay, not really. Back at the bar, Worf gets his Klingon opera on, as I said. Um, food is thrown... And some answers are gathered through the intimidation of a fat Ferengi. After no mystery or suspense whatsoever, everyone on the side of the good guys is pretty sure the Romulans are up to something, and they are, and the good guys win. And Spock stays on Romulus, where he has volunteered to personally sit on the big wooden <laughs> chest they've locked Sayla in to make sure that she never gets out again, because he is a hero, and heroes make sacrifices. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think the saddest part about this whole storyline, like you said, of no no import. The next we hear from Spock is in the 2009 movie. Mm -hmm. He's been on Romulus for 20 years, and then the planet blows up, and he goes back in time. Yeah, it's so that worked out. Yeah, so none of this ended up mattering at all. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Uh, yeah. So you're good thing, but at least Sela was probably on the planet when it blew up. Uh, why hopes. Uh... My good thing is I really liked a lot of the uh, pieces of this. I like Picard and Spock and Spock and Data and Riker channeling Kirk, or Rykirk as he's widely known. Oh. He seduces the four-armed cantina lady, strong-armed somebody. Riker may actually be my good thing. This surprises me, too. He, he gets some good opportunities in this episode. He shows his leadership and insight. He shows how well he works uh, with Picard, even when Picard isn't there. He shows just how much knowledge he has of his captain and methods and, and whatnot. Yep. Good job, Riker. An episode where this thing, uh, where the good thing probably should be the appearance of one of the most beloved iconic figures in television. It's you, guy. Yeah, you would not think that he would be the the strength, and he's not the entire strength of the episode. Yeah. but I mean, I've said I've said before, um, Frakes' acting has been my thing, but in this is really Riker rather than Frakes. It's, oh, there's you know, some great the, the writing stuff there. They gave but, the writing yeah. that they did. Yeah. For him, yeah. And I think there must have been a, a, a dedicated effort to that because it's like, okay, all the all the meat of this is Picard and Data and Spock. We got to give the other guys something to do, yeah. and they probably spent extra effort to make sure that it was worth watching yeah. and it really comes through. But he's really quirky, and it really it yeah. really shows his. You know, we it's been said before his similarity to to Kirk in the show, where he's not the main guy, but he is kind of the Kirkest of them, and uh, and he gets to do all of that stuff, and 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 just really really shows all the stuff he likes to do. He even does music in it. Yep. Yep. He gets a chance. And not, not the trombone as usual, but he sidles no. up to a piano, which is nice. And I've said this a million times, and I will always say this. I love watching him do his thing with ladies. Yep. Yeah. I love seeing him lay on the charm and, you know, flash him the smile and, you know, 
I just I, I think it's great. And yeah. yeah, I got a crush on him. I'm not. And this is that. not the usual lady that he would oh, charm. No, it is not. No, we'll get to but that in a second. She, but, yeah. I mean, but she still comes off as uh, sexy and interesting, and yeah. he comes off as yeah. interested. I mean, he doesn't right. look like he's scamming her. They genuinely have banter, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it feels like he's gonna go back there later. <laughs> <Could> <laughs> He's, hey, how's it going? He's probably got a bingo card, and you know that would be that would be a great <laughs> thing to check off the list. I I would assume that she would be, count as the free space. <laughs> no, Troy's the free space. <laughs> I think that thing in the middle of her nose is the free space. Ugh. I don't know what that is. Yeah, uh, and your bad thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, my bad thing is how inconsequential every bit of all of this is. Yeah. It's a two-parter with spa mother humping. <laughs> in it and it leaves you shrugging yeah you got the romulan invasion force of three ships three ships they're great they're great plan yeah my big thing and their was... and their fighter is bigger than the klingon ships i mean than the uh, sorry vulcan ships mm-hmm. um you know it's they're not even huge ships and no. there doesn't seem to be any support for an invasion you can't just ship people over to a place and to a planet and call it an invasion no, and my thought was, isn't Vulcan pretty deep in Federation territory? It's not like on the border. It's like yeah, way no, in ta- there. Like, it's pretty close to Earth as far as I know. I thought so. I mean, they, they're deliberately vague with where stuff is, and that's well, probably a are. good idea. And at some point in that during that trip, they would either get wise or they could have other ships come over. I mean, right. yeah. you know, the Federation can send ships there and but have that's people my... on the ground, and there would be resistance. That's my point. If it's in the middle... It, wouldn't that effectively be like trying to conquer America by taking Chicago first? Like, yeah, that's not you're surrounded. It would be like by... Red Dawn attacking the middle of whatever the Midwest or right. Damn wherever. it! Don't make me think about Red Dawn. <laughs> Sorry, didn't they recently remake that? Yes, I think so. Yeah, uh, we we don't need to. T- we got enough disappointment to talk about here. Matt, your good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the final scene when Spock melds with Picard to finally know his father is – it's just such a perfect end to that character and his arc with his – like, you know, yeah. and the arc that he and Sarah have had over these two series. Mm-hmm. No. It's it's just – it's such a beautiful moment. And like, it totally makes up for my, you know, not being terribly fond with Sarah dying off camera. I mentioned this in Journey to Babel when Sarah first showed up. I said, this is one of my favorite relationships in all of Star Trek because mm-hmm. it's a father something and a lot of us can relate to that. And it's written so well because they have sort of ups and downs and you, you get the idea that Spock became an ambassador specifically to impress his dad. Yeah. He would never say that cause he's a Vulcan, but you know, that's why he did that. Yeah. No, he, and, and I mean like he, his thing was always science. Right. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second too. Approved of. But, um, I get the feeling he said, okay, I had a fulfilling career doing that. Now I'm going to do this because, you know, I want to make Daddy proud. And it feels like he never quite hmm. did. No. But, I don't know. I, there's also a great bit where Picard shows up and said he was a great man. And Spock's answer to that is, well, he was a great ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the implication being, well, he was a terrible father. He was good at his job, yeah. sure. Well, yeah, he was no. punctual. <laughs> you can be two things. Right. No, I, I quite like that. Uh, and your bad thing? The piano playing lady in the bar is completely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, we never get aliens this goofy. No. She looks like she escaped from the Mos Eisley Cantina, but the Mos Eisley Cantina from the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> like, she should be providing backup for B. Arthur. Yeah. And it's a shame because I actually kind of like that character. Yeah, like we talked about, they had good chemistry. There was There was mm-hmm. some nice back and forth there. But yeah, the alien design of her just—I mean—but uh, Babylon like, Five she, bad. She is a large woman in a poncho with okay, four arms, which doesn't make a lick of sense. No, unless you're grimace. Yes, <laughs> um, one giant nostril right in the middle of her face. Yeah, which makes me feel like if she sneezed, it would be a tidal wave. <laughs> and like my favorite Martian style antenna. Well, my favorite Martian style afro. antenna on top of a giant afro. Yeah. It's like, okay, they made all these Klingons and, and Romulans and everything, and uh, they basically used up all the uh, the makeup budget, and they just fished through the makeup department. Okay, we got this, we got that, just throw it all together. The parts box. Right. She, she looks like your fourth grade teacher at a Halloween party. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does. 
Now, here here is the challenge for any attendee of a Star Trek convention. Go as a sexy version of her. <laughs> the gla- the gauntlet has been thrown. Yes, I would I would love to see yeah. like where when we do our <laughs> event at Emerald City this year, some of us are going to be wearing Trek costumes. I challenge one of our female friends who will be there mm-hmm. to to dress up as this chick. I will give you a dollar. Yes, one of Matt's dollars. Yes, which you won't be able to spend anywhere. A, a gold doubloon. Yes, but the the character I like the character. Yes, and I like the actress in it. I mean, she delivers mm-hmm. it great. I mean, she does her lines in a way that. Actually, like I said, I said sexy. It's a, you know the the she, she, there, costume there is, is ridiculous, but the uh, the delivery the and all was great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost sort of moonlighting banter that quick back and forth. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're I got business here. I need to get information, but on the other hand, we're obviously flirting. Yeah, yeah. And it's a nice I consider these all, these awful bars are the Star Wars brand cantina franchises across the uh, <laughs> you know, known space. Some Let's just say she's no figurine Dane in the modal nodes. That is the best note I have ever really. seen you make, by the way. <laughs> Before the show, we sometimes go through each other's... Okay, he's going to talk about this, so I'll, you know, I'll prepare this or whatever. And uh, I saw that. I was like, Matt, this is... Oh, my God. You nerd. <laughs> I love you, man. Um, <laughs> no, that was great. I feel like Star Trek has tried so many times to do the Star Wars can't see it's scene and it has mm-hmm. failed every time yeah until we get to quark's bar they're just they keep trying and they keep failing yeah i think yeah, i think true. a bar in star trek is always going to be more like the is it the garbage scowl when we're all the people <laughs> are in the bar you know that yeah, seems like a fleet yeah. bar you know like a place where yeah like the officers club people are hanging around mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. but i don't see it as a star wars cantina kind of thing and even but they I always mean, try that quark's, they always try quark's to have does it different... pretty well doesn't it what's that Quarks. Yeah, because I think they made a concerted effort. Okay, we're we're a weekly show. Everyone's sort of stationary. They're not going anywhere, so they yeah. can do really good alien designs of guys that are always going to be there. They don't have yeah. to keep inventing new guys every week. Mourn. Yes, that, that show always... perfects so many things. It does. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad we got you on board with that. Yeah, you did. I mean, the second season. Is, uh, yeah, season. It's great. Mm. It is I'm consistently perfect. surprised that we have to convince anyone that Deep Space Nine is awesome. No, I. <laughs> It was a tough call for me back in the day because it's like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's no ship, and I don't care about any of these guys. And There's baseball. Oh, there was baseball. It's really baseball. Yeah. And Avery Not... Brooks is kind of weird in it. I mean, he his is... acting is really odd. It works, but yeah. it's odd. I can't believe you don't like his acting. <laughs> Woo! I think having having that pointed out to me is going to make it more difficult for me to take him seriously. Okay, guys, you know what? We're Sorry. talking about Cisco in an episode where Spock showed up. What the fuck? In an episode where we're on a time time clock. Um, okay, so my good thing is actually also Beef's quote. So let's just go ahead and play that here. All right. Excuse me, I'm just finishing up a speech for you, Mr. Spock. I rather enjoy writing. I don't get to do it very often in this job. Perhaps you would be happier in another job. I, it's a nice bit of comedy. But I also feel like there's a meta thing there where uh, Data says to – or, you know, Brent Spiner says to uh, Denise Crosby, maybe you'd be happier at another job. <laughs> I feel like that must have been deliberate. I think, I think that whole thing – after you pointed that out that way, I uh-huh. think, you know, there has to be a story behind that where she cor- corrected something, changed something, told uh-huh. a writer something. Yeah. Oh, and so you like, want to be a writer, do you? You want to be a writer, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know if that this really, show ever and did is that, that kind of a fu that that is the give best. Me ten minutes. Yep. I don't know if the show ever did that kind of thing, but I like to I like to read that, and it made me happy. Even better would be that they let it stay in, mm-hmm. and they made her deliver the line. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll cut this. It's fine. No, no, they won't. <laughs> no, and that was. It's not exactly my bad thing. I'll get to that in a sec. But come on, you got Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner who get to have scenes with Nimoy, and that's great. Those are the two most important guys, and you want to see that. But then Frakes and LeVar Burton and all those guys, nope, stay on the ship. The quitter gets to have scenes with the iconic <laughs> guy. Yep. Come on. She was there one season and she left. That's not fair. Poor uh, Jordy. Never got, even got a chance. Nope. Never. Uh, although he does get some good stuff with Scotty later. So that's true. Good. Yeah. I mean, that guy walks into your workplace. You're going to let everybody get a picture with him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. Uh, so my good thing. Oh, that is my good thing. Sorry. Yes. I am all. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think it must be that uh, the the Sarek seat. I'm just so choked up and, and emotional about that that I'm just that's so beautiful. Yeah, it was. Um, okay, so my bad thing. Uh, the part two curse strikes again. 
just incredible promise from part one. And I don't, I think people misinterpret me saying part one is great, part two sucks. That's not what I mean. What I mean when I say this is part one always promises some amazing thing, and part two is always less good than that. There's great stuff, there's a lot of good stuff there, but it's just not as good. You you feel like we've been built up, we've been built up, and then, eh, that was pretty good, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I felt that way about Best of Both Worlds. I felt that way about Redemption. I feel here. And there's some coming up like that. I just don't think they do part two as well as they do part one. You know, you changed three things about – I just pulling yeah. a number. You changed three things about part two, and it's a fantastic episode yes, completely. Absolutely. And you don't have this kind of – you know, this kind of where you're thinking about it, thinking that it wasn't a great episode because so much of it was perfect. Oh, no, there but are scenes that It are... suffers under the premise. The payoff, the, the payoff episode is going to mm-hmm. be bad. If the payoff isn't a payoff, if, if it's right. just everything seems like it didn't mean anything, it, well, yeah, it the no consequence, is and, yeah. makes no sense that, that in a society as conniving and as together as the Romulans, it does espionage and all that stuff so well, and just – It would uh, never occur to anyone that, oh. That they would do this as their right. big plot. Right. And, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't – and all in the end, everybody just goes, eh, yeah. And it's one of those things where you feel like – it's obvious it's going to work out in the end. They're they're not going to take over Vulcan. No way. No. You you know. Whereas if you created some kind of danger that was actually you know they could have killed off Spock here. Yeah. That would have been very. Cool. Why not? If they were that would have surprised the hell out of me. If too. they were done making movies, mm-hmm. and Nimoy's like, I want to go out on a high note, but I don't want to do it in a movie again. I already did that. Yeah. That would have thrown everybody for a loop. Just just as a for instance, just as giving the danger a little more consequence. I don't necessarily yeah, think they should have done that, but they should have done something like that. Yeah, but if Sela had killed Spock, I'm mad. Oh, Jesus. Well, the thing is, yeah. I'm not even going to talk about her. I, everyone knows my problems. She mm. is sort of a looming in the shadows. I'm going to destroy you all, and I don't like that. I wish she sounded like Skeletor. Yeah, me too. That would be so much better. <laughs> but here's my real big problem. Star Trek Six wasn't even out at this point. This was a tie-in with it. It would be out in another month. So Ambassador Spock to us is a foreign concept. We don't know who Ambassador Spock is. The Spock we know is a science guy. He's yeah. Kirk's best friend, and he's a genius at science. We don't get any of that here. This guy that, could have it, been, apart from the Sarek stuff, which was amazing and very mm-hmm. good, very grounded in character stuff, the the plot about a defected Federation guy trying to make peace with the Romulans could have been any ambassador. There's nothing inherently Spock about that plot. And that makes me sad because you have yes. this great man. And when they bring Scotty in, it's engineering problems. And that is so much more suited to him. There is nothing sciencey in this episode. I mean, Spock is the original science badass, which is mm-hmm. a title now jointly held by Tony Stark and Bruce Banner in the Avengers movie. <laughs> I expected so much more than running around in caves. Fucking Doctor Who time. Did he poke something? With a stick, Yes. Yes, exactly. But there's nothing inherently Spock about anything beyond the Sarek stuff, and that was just very disappointing to me. Does that make the little kid that keeps handing him stuff his companion? Yes, every, well, yes everyone's companioning him that, stuff. <laughs> that's Ian. <laughs> Matt pointed out that uh, when they're sitting in the soup bar, I think it was Matt who pointed that out, someone gives him a yes. flower, and then someone gives him a book, <laughs> and that's, uh, you know... They just keep, hey. just keep handing him stuff. Yeah, hey, take this. All right. Oh, man, with the robes, it's a planet of Harry Krishnas. <laughs> take this and go in peace. Leave me alone. <laughs> I um, there, There's a great line where Picard's just sort of being very Sarek-y and, you know, just stubborn. And Spock says, you're, you know, you're almost as stubborn as another captain of the Enterprise I once do. And uh, he Picard's, says, Bacula? <laughs> bite your fucking tongue <laughs> no no it was pike yes but even if it was pike honestly picard just yeah. says well then i'm in good company sir and it's just such a nice little fanboy not over the top hey kirk uh, uh. it's just like picard knows the the legacy he knows you know wow really i'm like that guy fucking awesome yeah and it was I, absolutely it was understated enough it yes. was you know a lot of times those things go heavier handed than that yeah no, and it was perfect. Nice. But like I said, he could have even meant Pike because it's still the uh, the, the legacy of Enterprise captains. And he looks yes. up to those guys as like, well, good. I'm, you know, I'm part of that tradition. Those guys are great. Yeah. That's why he's got the little ships. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
Which he won't break for a while, so that's good. No. For now, they still remain in mint condition. Right. Mint in package. Um, uh, Neural, the uh, proconsul, or no, excuse me, the is he a senator at this point? Proconsul. He, he was a senator, yeah. Yeah, no, he'll be proconsul in uh, DS9 during the Dominion War. But mm. they kept calling him. Oh, or is he a guy in the proconsul's office? Is that what they say? I think so. I don't know. Anyway, they say proconsul a there. lot. Maybe he's the, I don't know what he is. I think he's is. the proconsul. He's boss guy. Maybe I'm or misinterpreting what proconsul means. Yeah, I think he's a proconsul. Right. Whereas in DS9, he's their leader. Yeah. I just It's a nice bit of continuity where we see him in a lower office, and then we see him as, you know, as the leader, which is nice. Yes. Uh, oh, of course, uh, Beav, you mentioned uh, Worf and his Klingon opera. I yeah. love that scene so much. He is so passionate about that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and we've mentioned that we start to see Worf being a square. Yes. <laughs> He's into opera. And he just, just all misty eyed. He doesn't like to fight when all the other Klingons are fighting. He wants to work on his homework. <laughs> but I actually kind of like the sound of the Klingon opera. I thought it sounded yeah, no, it, it it sounded really good. It sounded like opera, and it sounded a little exotic. And I yeah, I and uh, she sounded good singing it. Yeah, that was a fun scene because yeah, he gets that gleam in his eye. He's like, yes. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> We, we witnessed a Klingon opera boner right there. I, <laughs> I know that look. Yes. Um, we had Galorned and Core. Galorned and Core. Galorned and Core. Which is a great Home name. of lore. That was another nice callback, though. There was a lot yep. of callbacks without it being heavy-handed. We all wrote that in caps in our notes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't even remember what the reference was, but I knew it was a reference. And it's one of those things like Galorned and Core and Kittimer Outpost and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, the thousand things that. Are always well, brought up. I was I was once told by a teacher, and this ended up being completely true. If someone says something to you in a silly voice, you are way more likely to remember it. <laughs> That's true. And because we said the Lorndon core in our stupid Noonie and Soon voices, <laughs> you remembered it. <laughs> if I thought about it, I would go back. I would go back to elementary school and just do all of my. Well, no, it doesn't work if you that do one. All I remember in a, that one. I actually remember in a Picard voice for whatever reason. It was. Um, <laughs> I believe that was the one where uh, Jordy was stuck on the planet with the Romulan, and they had to help each other yes. out. Ah. Okay. The alien mi- or uh, uh, enemy mine, except on Galorn and Core. Galorn and Core. Right. Uh, we talked about how terrible Sela is. Oh, <laughs> at length. Yeah, but we did that before. I feel like we're kind of repeating ourselves yeah. at this point. After this, we'll never have to see her again. Yeah. So it's just Denise Crosby is not up to the the huge villain that they've written her as. Is mm-hmm. really like putting aside her backstory, which we're done with. Yeah. She's here now. Let's deal with that. She's still just not a great villain. Like, you're facing off against fucking Spock. We need yeah. somebody great. We need somebody just that could outwit him, or at least we believe could outwit him. And yeah, you need no to chance. have actually outwitted him for a minute. Yeah. Right. And then he it wins It would have actually hand. been awesome if they'd brought back an old original series Romulan. Ooh, the female Romulan commander. That would have rocked. Because then they have the history of him seducing yeah. her. And she's been bitter all these years. Yeah. We're just rewriting this episode, aren't we? Starting yeah, I think they've idea. done it before. You know, I Voyager think I think it would have even been better if Pardek had thought he was doing something for real. Yeah, but they used they that before with the, was it the Klingon guy that they did that with, mm. where he uh, thought he was defecting, but really they had planned. They oh given no, that him, was the defector. No, that was a Romulan one too. Yeah, that was, that a was Romulan. Romulan. Yeah, where yeah. they they did that before. Right. Otherwise, that would have at least made it so there was some sincerity and that and that that would have fooled Spock and he and might have betrayal. actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they were all in on it. And uh, yeah, it just but really all the good guys at one point or another, all the good guys say, eh, it's probably a trap. We'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> well, Spock does have a great sort of Kirkish, you know, well, it's probably a trap, but I'm going to have to spring the trap. I'm so have I have to can... spring it anyway. Yeah. So... yeah. If this is real, you want me to be here. If this is a, yeah. a fake, you want me to be here. Right. Yeah. It was, I, that was a very good line. We very talked about this, how old Spock, and I think they handled this better in the movie, but old Spock has clearly had. A hundred years to think over all the stuff that Kirk and Bones were trying to teach him. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of come to terms with, okay, I'm half human. You know what? It's okay to feel stuff sometimes. And it's okay <laughs> to take ridiculous chances sometimes. And just, he's he's finally come to terms with, uh, uh, you know, I have some of that those Kirk qualities in myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leap before looking. Fuck it. It works for Jim. <laughs> Let's just do this. It doesn't always work for Spock. No. But it's nice that they've sort of tried to write him like that. 
which is good. Um, but of course, nothing comes of all of this. Romulus just explodes in 20 years, and that's yeah. that. So good work, everyone. Yeah. Uh, the thing where they were trying to fool the Vulcans with a hologram of Spock, just really... This, okay. this is not a good plan. We can... I mean, we can make a hologram at home. We have uh, yeah. we have Captain Picard voice technology. Oh yeah, we can figure this Go out. Go borrow that box from Wesley and uh, yeah, he's not using it anymore. I thought having Tupac in the background was going a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he just which does going. sound like it, which is a that's a Vulcan name too, isn't it? Oh, Tupac, it totally is. T apostrophe P A C. Yep. But I feel like he's just standing in the background, going, "Uh huh, yeah, uh huh." <laughs> that's actually Padidi, but. Uh, I think that joke works. Um, but really, I, the Vulcans are supposed to be super smart. Mm-hmm. You think they wouldn't figure out it's a hologram? Really? We can spot no, I, CG I, I, a mile away think, now. I don't think it's a good plan. No, it's really not. And the more we poke at it, the more we realize, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. They didn't think this out very well at all. No. Yeah, but just a handful of little changes, and it's yep. all great, and we don't have an issue with it. No. So ultimately, I think on a character level, these episodes really, really work. Yeah. Like, a lot of characters get good stuff to do. Uh, Spock has a nice connection to Picard because of his father. Mm-hmm. Data and Spock get some nice back and forth. You know, oh, so you want to be human, huh? I don't want to be human. That was great. And uh, Riker gets some great stuff. But story-wise, ugh. <laughs> Not good. Ugh. So, any further business? I think nope. that's it. Very well. Well, overall, I'd say these are, you know, definitely worth watching. But uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. There are some problems. Of course, we've been working on the episode guide, and I'm, I feel like I'm always wrapping these up with, should you watch it? <laughs> you know what? Should you watch it? Yes. Read, read the episode guide and find out. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is not a feature of the podcast. You have to check out the book for that. Uh, speaking of that, you can buy the episode guide. It is on postatomichorror.com. Yes, and please do. Yes. Uh, the new one will be coming out. Uh, we'll be launching it for Emerald City in March. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. And next week, we will... I have no idea what we're doing. I don't have the list in front of me, but I'm sure we're doing two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. It will be enchanting. It will. Uh, Beef, as always, thank you. I'm sure we'll have you back soon, because you were a delight. Yep. I was. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes, you were. Yes. You you have been and always shall be a delight. (laughs) All right, Matt, take us out. All right. See ya. Folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.